If you have joined us for previous tales, welcome back. If this is your first time at the Plinth, we welcome you with open arms. We invite you to enjoy Tales from the Plinth podcast, where we will navigate the physical therapy profession and all avenues it includes. Through in-depth interviews and testimonies from licensed physical therapists across the nation, you will leave the Plinth with a better appreciation for clinical practice and the inspiration to write your own tales. May you learn, laugh, and listen. With Tales from the Plinth. Welcome back to Tales from the Plinth. With a whole new season comes a whole new set of hosts. Here's Ashley. I'm Bojack. I'm Sean. And I'm Cal. For those of you listening, whether you follow Tales from the Plinth in the past or are new, we are joined by Ben Homan and David Russo, who previously ran this podcast. They are now licensed PTs. David works as an outpatient orthopedics neurosurgeon, neuroscience physical therapist with UPMC in Erie. Ben is now a PT with outpatient orthopedics at UPMC in Erie. And Liz, who could not make it today because she is currently pursuing her lymphedema specialist, has taken a job with oncology and lymphedema rehab with Allegheny Health Network in Erie. Now I'm going to hand over the baton. Ben, can you introduce yourself today? Yeah. Hey guys. Uh, good to be back. Like being on the other side of things. It's definitely a little different. So as Ashley was saying, yeah, I graduated um, in May, started with UPMC Centers for Rehab Services in June and have been learning the ropes since then. So things are going great. And then hi everybody, I'm David. Um, yeah, like Ben said, it's pretty surreal to be on the other side of this. And I think we're still getting used to it. Um, for those of you who happen to know Ben and I, you know that we're kind of two peas in a pod. So we kind of follow each other's footsteps and both ended up with UPMC shortly after graduation. Um, ben ended up there a couple months earlier than me because he took the boards early and passed with flying colors. And then I did the same and I started in August. Um, ben does mostly ortho care. Um, I am like an ortho neuro mix right now. Um, and yeah, we're loving it. That's awesome, guys. I'm so glad to hear you're being successful with your new jobs as doctors of physical therapy. I could start off with that one. Um, so I think that my passion for physical therapy kind of began um, at like a younger age, just through doing competitive sports. I always knew that I wanted to have a career dedicated to the human body and to performance in some way, shape or form. And then when I was in high school going into college, um, a prep wrestler, um, he won't mind me saying his name on the podcast because I've talked to him and in fact, I've written about him several times. His name's Ian, a spinal cord injury um, when he was in high school and he was a very, very, very high level wrestler. And uh, I believe he was at an Olympic qualifying competition or a national competition of some sort. Regardless, it was a devastating injury um, and really a long recovery. And now he's going to be a lawyer. Um, but the point is, is seeing him through his recovery and watching his Instagram videos and seeing how he motivated people. And I knew that physical therapist played a big role in that. I was like, yeah, I definitely want to be a physical therapist. Like that cemented it in for me. And particularly with neuro too, I knew I wanted to work with people with neurological um, disorders or, or injuries. Um, so that's kind of how I think I manifested where I'm at today. 
Yeah, much like Dave, um, exercise has always played a huge role in my life. So I think I always knew I wanted to do something that related to physical medicine. I wasn't sure exactly how that road was going to look when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, so it kind of just led me to PT as, you know, an option of something that was out there. Did some shadowing, realized it was going to be something that was going to be really cool to do. Always have liked seeing people reach their potential, you know, and, you know, set their goals, reach their goals and be able to do the things that they want to do. So I think it was just naturally a pretty good fit for me. As far as choosing Gannon, um, I was born and raised in Erie. So again, that was kind of just a natural fit. Uh, they were the only school I actually applied to. I looked into some other ones, but kind of wanted to stay hometown, stay local to that. And did some, you know, touring around the facility with the staff and, you know, was welcomed with open arms right away. And they really just made me feel comfortable. So Gannon was a very easy choice for me. And then David, so what about you? Did you consider ever applying to any other school outside of Gannon or? So I was pretty much Gannon through and through. Coming out of high school, I applied to, to Gannon and then to Damon um, in Buffalo, um, which is another good PT school. Um, I was part of the pre-PT program. So I did exercise science as my major, as Kel knows. Um, shout out to the now applied exercise science program um, and then uh, a smooth transition in PT school from there and actually my first year of PT school I got to be um, part of like the student representation of the exercise science program to help get them accredited so it was kind of cool to really come full circle then and now. Well that's awesome and you clearly made your impact on Gannon in the last couple of years that you guys were there so it's great to hear your stories on how you found your ways there. Um, but let's talk about boards because I know you guys both just tackled that. Um, what was your studying habits? Tell us a little bit about that. Hey, if you want to take this one first you want me to take this one. I can start. So <laughs> okay, yeah so I, I took the boards not too long ago. Man, when was my test date? It was all a blur. Um, so my testing and my study habits, I wouldn't recommend anyone did exactly what I did. I think I went a little overboard and Ben's already laughing because, <laughs> because he knows that I did. Um, so I'll start off by saying that the boards, whether it's studying for them or actually taking them, it's a very intimidating process and you feel like there's a lot on the line especially when you're in my shoes and you had already accepted and signed a contract for a job um, beforehand. You really feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders and you kind of start to define yourself as I'm either going to be successful and be a good PT or not be successful and be a bad PT. And that's not really the case. And it took a lot of time for me to, to come to terms with it's not the end of the world and it doesn't define me if I were to fail. Um, when I started studying, I got the therapy ed review and study guide. Um, and truth be told, I just read the thing front to back and um, took sticky notes and highlighted and marked off sections that I thought were important. Um, I took multiple practice exams. I'm not even gonna give you the exact number because it's, it's way too many. <laughs> I think I took 10 or 11 practice exams. It was insane. Um, with my goal to get an 86% or better before I felt comfortable no longer studying anymore. 
Um, and each practice exam that I took, I went back and reconciled what I got wrong with what was in the textbook to make sure that I was ready to go. Um, I did a max of two hours a day, six days a week. Um, and that worked out great for me. I did really well on the boards. Um, but Ben, full disclosure, is much more of a confident individual in himself than I was with the boards and passed it with flying colors, but doing a little bit less. So he can tell you all about that. Yeah, so polar opposite of what Dave did. You know, this man was hunkered down in a cave for his whole summer, but it, it worked out for him. So I took the boards in April. Um, so my study, now, I don't know. I Everyone's different, right? People know what worked for them. I am not a pick a textbook up, read it from cover to cover. I just don't have the attention span. So I also bought the therapy ed book. I had a, um, what's the other one called? Score Builders, had that book. Had another book. Don't think I actually read an actual page of it. Full disclosure, I just used the practice exams in the book. So, and that's exactly what they will tell you not to do. Like, don't just take practice exams, but truthfully, that's pretty much all I did was take practice exams. Uh, like Dave said, you know, they'll give you the rationale for why this answer is what it is. So that was a really good way for me to go back and study. You know, if I had a Weak point, like for me, one of my weak points was lymphedema. So I would go back through the lymphedema questions that I got wrong. I would read the rationales. And that was pretty much how I went about things. I took a couple practice tests. Um, and that's just how I got comfortable with it. So clearly, you can see two very different styles that both ended up successful. So now I'm going to chime in on this and put the question back on you guys, because Lord knows I love podcasting. Um, you know, you guys don't all have to chime in, but how do you guys feel about the boards going into it? Like, are you like me and you're already like high anxiety level about it? Or are you kind of like confident and calm? Where are you at? I'll chime in first and say, I, I mean, I, so I've texted both of you throughout the year so far, right? I would say I'm pretty nervous. Um, I'm trying to just get as much information about the boards as possible. So that's probably why we're going to stay on this topic for quite some time for this episode. Actually, I think this will be just va just valuable information for our classmates to hear and anybody else coming up. Um, but yeah, I I would say I'm pretty nervous about it. Um, it's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, kind of going along with Kel, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, like you mentioned earlier, David, that weight that this exam has on all of us right now is kind of like the last three years. We learned so much. We did so much. Um, this is like our one time where it really matters to show it off. And um, I think that adds a lot of weight and a lot of anxiety to, I think, students in general, because we really want to perform well on this exam so that we can do what we came to do, and that's to help people and actually practice in a clinical setting. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's it's a big weight whenever there's that obstacle that we have to check before we get to clinically practice. So I'll be very excited when that's over. I'm not quite as nervous, but that's just because I'm a year behind the folks that just spoke. So probably in about a year's time, uh, I'll have the exact same answers as Kel uh, and Boche there. But for right now, I'm feeling great. Just took a comprehensive exam today, my first one uh, for from first year. And um, 
yeah, we're, we're living life to the fullest here. As far as it goes for me, I think David hit it, the nail on the head there. It's, it's intimidating for sure, but I think that with a good study plan and just taking it step by step, I think that's the best that we can do and just handling it like we've handled every other test this far and just taking it day by day and really studying when it gets down to the wire. But one of our next questions is for Ben, because I know that you took the boards early in April. Can you kind of talk about how the studying process was, especially if you were studying during your last clinical rotation? How did that go? Yeah, so um, initially, about a year ago when I was in your shoes, my plan was to take it in April. So what I kind of did is, and it's, I would say it's probably a little bit unconventional, but I started studying in little chunks, probably about this time last year. Because again, I just don't do well when it's a lot in a short period of time. I do much better if it's small chunks over a longer period of time. So, you know, I would look at a couple practice questions a day. I would use the apps that have the practice questions on there. That would kind of be like early on what I would do to study. During clinic, I will say, you know, it depends on, again, clinical. I, um, my third one starting in January was in acute care. So the schedule typically isn't as rigorous as say an outpatient ortho schedule. Like I was done by four every day. It was like eight to four, kind of pretty textbook schedule. So I, again, like a little unconventional. I like to do things in the morning more. So I would study more so before I went to clinic and then after, just because after the day, like I was kind of wiped. So that's kind of what I would do is I would study a little bit each morning. I'm talking maybe 15 minutes of stuff. And then if I had periods of time where I had nothing going on on the weekends or in the evenings, I would put in maybe a little bit more time. Um, and to, truth be told, I probably should have studied more, like going up towards the boards. Like, And what you guys said, I just want to tell you, like, everybody feels that nervousness because like you guys have said it is a big weight on your shoulders for this thing and one of the things that kind of helped me i think was realizing you know you've had success obviously just to get into a pt program shows that you're a successful student and then to get through it shows you that you know you're even more of a successful student so just having the confidence and the trust that you've done this your whole life and that it's just one more test and you know is it a big one? Does it mean a lot? Does it cost a lot of money? Of course. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's another multiple choice test that you guys have rocked. So that was kind of long winded, but yeah, that was kind of what my approach looked like in the spring, getting ready for it in April. And then I could probably speak to the difference because I think there's a lot of students who will weigh the, the pros and the cons of either taking it early or waiting for it. Um, truth be told, my decision to, to wait for it um, and take it a little bit later. It came from a good friend of the podcast, Ryan Brown. I was shadowing him shortly after I had officially graduated PT school. And actually I was shadowing him before that even too. And he said to me, he said, you know, if you don't, like, if you're on the fence about taking it early, pretty much already made your decision for yourself. You know what I mean? At that point, you should take it late and you can enjoy your summer. He did that. And he said it was one of the best summers and best decisions he ever made. Um, and I, I, I think that's true for me too. I really held myself to no more than two or three hours a day, six days a week with Sundays off. 
Um, and like, I know I make a lot of jokes and like my life was miserable. I buried myself in a cave for all that time. I had a great summer. I had a great time. Ben, I'll tell you, I was out golfing with him and, um, I really did things deliberately so that I could have balance. So you really just have to kind of find what works for you and, and wh where your confidence level is at. I knew that I needed more time to study and I knew that I have a more, you know, kind of comprehensive way of studying all the material. And I want to make sure it's all gone through before I feel confident enough to take a test. Whereas Ben being a very good test taker was comfortable, maybe hitting some main points that he needed to address, but then kind of relying on his already gained knowledge from PT school to take him through the rest. So you kind of have to analyze your skills and strengths um, with that. One thing that helped me the most too in making that um, is I took my first practice exam ever without studying even a little bit. And I recommend you guys do the same because that'll tell you straight off the bat from where you're at right now, how ready you are and where you need to focus. Yeah, so that was really informative and also just kind of encouraging hearing you guys say that, um, you know, even with such a rigorous schedule like you guys kind of had, you did still manage to have free time. You had breathing room and stuff like that. So that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, so everybody's study style and kind of how they prepare for boards is going to boil down to, you know, how they typically prepare for things, right? So you guys have two different kinds of um, skill sets, if you will, and strengths and weaknesses. So, um, but I think something that, you know, other students might be curious to hear about is just how well do you think Gannon's curriculum prepared you guys for the board exams? And did you go back and ever utilize any of the notes that like you got from Gannon? Kind of like just elaborate on that. Personally, you know, I thought I felt pretty prepared, you know, um, like I and they like they tell you they teach you everything you need to know. And I kind of agreed with it. Like I said, my study style, I didn't go in with too many external source resources. You know, I used the practice questions, but occasionally I would go back through notes if it was little things from a couple of years ago that I just kind of wasn't remembering. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, I think they set it up really well to streamline you towards being successful with the exam, no doubt. Yeah, so kind of like I just said, um, one of the things that I did when I was preparing for the exam was I took a practice exam um, before I did any studying. I got, I forget what I got on that exam. I wanna say it was like a 68 or a 70%. So right off the bat, I knew that I was strong just from the curriculum that Gannon had taught me but they recommend you getting a little bit higher than that on those practice exams that you're truly comfortable. But Gannon's curriculum does a great job at preparing you. I think, and, and we can really get into this, I think the thing that every PT program could probably do a little bit better with in preparing for the boards is the NPTE and many other types of boards, they're big on like the best answer type questions. So you're going to get questions on the NPTE that are like, you know, there's three correct answers, but man, only one's the best answer. And I think sometimes with the nature of exams in PT school, you could kind of tweeze out like, oh, there's only probably going to be one really correct answer here. Because that's just the nature of it. They want you to memorize material and, and, and gain the knowledge and put it into practice with the test and then take it into clinic, right? 
in the NPT, it's not so black and white on those exams. Um, and that's where I think the biggest shift for me occurred was I was like, oh, I finally know how to read NPTE questions. And then I was fine. Well, to wrap up the discussion on the boards, we all want to congratulate you both because you both passed. You're both licensed PTs. Um, so if you will walk us through the day of the the day that you found out the exam, how many times did you hit the refresh button? Um, and what did you, how did you feel when you, when you saw that green check? It's an unbelievable sense of relief. Um, I found out late, late, late in the day. Like I was like, so you wait, cause it's like a 10 day period. Um, it's, it's technically seven business days from after you take the test to when you find out. So you'll go through a weekend and uh, you'll have all this like, pressure built up and stress. And then I found out like at seven or eight at night, one night and immediately I had a bottle of champagne with a sticky note on it. And it said, open when you pass your boards. And I popped the champagne with my fiance and went out to dinner and it was the best. And then ironically, I saw a bunch of PT students out that night. So seriously though, the sense of relief, it, it's, it's entirely worth everything that you do to prepare for it. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, you just mentioned all the how hard it is to study for the test and all that. The worst part is the week after you take the test, no doubt. Like, and I was, I'm not like this typically. I was like anxious the entire week, like, because you just want to know. I went as far, like, I was Googling, like, how to find results early. Like, I was trying to find loopholes in the system. I tried everything, couldn't find anything. So then, you know, they tell you that the, the scores are going to be released it's supposed to be like a week after you take it. I think like the scores will be released this day. And I found on, I think it was Reddit people saying, well, it's always the day before that. So I had like in mind that I knew the scores were going to come out this day. So that day I, I legitimately was refreshing my phone, not kidding every three minutes. Like it was, it was actually a little bit obsessive looking back and really bad. But yeah, then you just get this moment where you see it. And like, I was doing the thing. I don't know if you ever like, like I used to do this with exam scores too, like full disclosure, where you're like, you have your phone, right? And you don't want to look right away. So you like do a slow scroll and like half block it. So you can't see it all the way. And then I saw that it was like the check. And I was just like, oh, it's just the biggest weight ever off your shoulders. But at the same time for me, I think it was one of those like, all right, now it's time. You know, like this is just the beginning of it. Like it's obviously a lot of relief and a great feeling but also it was like okay now it's go time like you're the real deal let's do it and, and sincerely you know to anyone listening to the podcast um i want to help everybody that i can especially from gannon to tackle the stress that i felt and and really get you through the exam um as, as best as we can um without having to feel like your whole life's taken up by it in the months leading up to it so if anybody has any questions They'll put my email in the description of this. You can always reach out to me, ask me questions. I can go over study plans, material you should memorize versus material you should just know to apply, all that stuff. So let me know. And same to Ben, I'm sure. Well, thank you for that, guys. Congratulations again. Um, and I thought Ben made a great point at the end, how it's just the beginning uh, for you guys. And why don't we delve into that a little bit? So you guys passed your you passed your exams and now you're starting your first paying PT job. What was that process like, that transition from school to work? And um, what were the preparations like for you guys? So I'll kind of speak first on this one. Um, 
I was in a very fortunate situation where I had done a couple rotations with UPMC. So that helped a lot with the, you know, the overall transition, you know, getting through that awkward phase of like getting to know everybody. So I knew my boss well already. Um, that was helpful. I knew the system. So a lot of those kinks were worked out early. Um, but I'll say like having your first patients on the schedule where it's your name, not a CI's name is kind of a surreal, like you're almost in this like starstruck feeling like, is this legit? But I think, you know, the great thing about PT school is you get so much exposure to patient care that after that initial, you know, first week where you might have like this deer in headlights look, you know what to do. It's just convincing yourself that you you know what to do and you're prepared. And then from there, you know, I think it's a pretty natural flow and transition. And then it's just getting comfortable after that. So I was kind of like Ben. I did rotation with um, the amazing Amanda Daly um, at UPMC outpatient neuro. And then I went right into an outpatient neuro job. So I was completely ready to do that kind of work. The biggest transition for me during my first week and a half, especially because I've had some cases where there have been some red flags and I've had to refer to urgent care or lately even, you know, other stuff um, regarding like, you know, screening for uh, any concerning signs and symptoms of things like suicide or whatever. It's been, it's been a whirlwind. Um, And the biggest change for me was how you listen to your patients as a clinician versus as a student. And I think maybe that was just me, but maybe other people do the same thing. Here's what I kind of mean by that. When you're a student, you're so used to taking tests and you're like, oh, I could see when a patient has signs and symptoms of a DVT in this test question. It's clearly written out, you know, and that's how I know that the answer that they want me to select is refer out for so-and-so because this patient is concerned for DVT. Or you're in the clinic with your CI and you're like, I'm going to ask all the questions and do some general screening. But if I miss anything, at least my CI is here to kind of back me up. I'll never forget, like the second patient I treated came in to clinic and no one was there. No one but me was in that treatment room with them. And they talked about signs and symptoms. And I was like, oh, like this is the real deal. Like, because you want to start your treatment. You're like all high and adrenaline, like you're ready to go. And you're like, we're going to work this patient out. and like, we're going to eval them and do all these six minute walk and Berg balance and all this stuff. And I had to tell myself, like, stop for a second, because what they just described to you was signs and symptoms of possible DVT. So you had to take a step back and listen to them differently. There was no CI there to help you. There was no test question where it was listed out. It was happening to you in real life. And it's not as black and white as it first seemed. So you have to listen differently and you have to really find a way to apply everything that you learned. And you will, it just takes a little bit of time at first. I think to piggyback off what Dave said there, because that was really good. When you're in school I f- and they, they harp on, you know, the connection, the rapport with the patient, the therapeutic alliance, you know, but you're kind of taught to treat conditions, right? You're taught to treat, you know, arthritis or, you know, frozen shoulder X, Y, and Z. When you get in the clinic, I would argue that probably more than 50% of it is learning how to communicate with the person in front of you and understand what they need from you at that time. Because initially, I know myself, 
I almost felt like this pressure that I feel like I needed to do more, 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 more. Like they needed to have all these exercises in the 45 minutes I got with them. And as I got more confident, more comfortable, you know, treating on my own, it was like a lot of times you need to stay, you need to take a step back, even if that means for 45 minutes of your session, 35 of it is you guys are just talking, you know, and a lot of times, obviously they don't really teach you that way in school, not intentionally that they don't teach you that way, but just, it works out so much differently in a clinic and like, they don't prepare you for when a patient comes in and they tell you about so-and-so and their family died or this or that's happening. And the last thing they really want to do is move around. So I think that's something that you start to understand the more people you see independently. I don't know if that's something that you can teach necessarily, but I think that's a big adjustment and was a big adjustment for me. That's really great advice, guys. And those are the experiences that you've gained this far um, and stuff that we're still looking forward to seeing in clinic as we gain our own experience. So I think that was really um, important to hear. As you were transitioning into the workforce, did you guys have to go through the interview process? Can you take us through that? Or did you kind of, Ben, you said you knew your boss ahead of time. How was that transition? So yeah, I still went through the interview process. Um, so I had reached out to my current boss probably around the new year of last year and was like, okay, I would be really interested in working here if a, if a position were to become available because at the time there was nothing posted or anything just to kind of put that bug in his ear and just kind of so worked out that the timing of it kind of lined up perfectly for when I was going to be taking the boards and whatnot so yeah I went through the interview process with UPMC and a couple other different companies and had the chance to hear from a lot of different managers and things like that so totally went through the whole process so any kind of questions you have regarding that I know myself and Dave both went through a lot, so we should be able to answer those pretty good. And then I, it's it's actually kind of funny. And I think, so obviously Ben and I have different facility director bosses, but kind of the same regional director boss and, he, and his name's Brett. Um, so Brett, like I had like a quote unquote formal interview, but it was at like Buffalo Wild Wings. And we were just like chilling over wings and celery and because I had a rotation with UPMC, he was like, I really want to bring this kid on. I just kind of have to ask him some foundational questions. So he asked them and, you know, we kind of had an informal interview that way. Um, but I did have some very formal interviews with other companies that our interest just didn't align, um, you know, before I accepted the job with UPMC. Um, so there's a lot of experience that we gained there, um, especially with looking at contracts and negotiating your worth and all that stuff. Well, that's super awesome that you had a really informal interview like that. Um, I guess it kind of just takes the edge off a little bit and you feel like you can be more yourself and really get to know your partner that you're potentially working with. So I actually really like that experience that you had. Um, can you talk a little bit about your feelings going into the interview, any prepping you did? and how the interview day went yep so I think I got better at it as I went along and my CI Amanda was amazing at helping me with it um first interview very nervous went in with like 
you know, everything I needed, like the stuff that they teach you, like your resumes and cover letters and all this stuff. And I think I still did that for all my other interviews as well. But my attitude shifted a little bit as I went through them. I think the first interview that I had, I was like, I got to prove myself to this company. They don't have to prove themselves to me. They're what I want to work for, yada, 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 so on and so forth. Then as I went through the interviews, I was like, oh, it's less of me trying to prove myself just to them. And it's more of a conversation. Um, it's you're not all you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you, because if, it, if what they have is not what you want, you don't have to try to make it something that's not in your head. You know what I mean? Um, UPMC was perfect in the sense that I had everything that I want and they also wanted me on board. So it worked out. There was a lot of companies that I interviewed with where they might've wanted me to come on board, but it wasn't quite exactly what I wanted. And you have to kind of learn that it's not just proving who you are, but also proving to yourself that this is where you want to be. Yeah, that was very well said. I think it's the the mindset around how you come into the interview is super important, which Dave was kind of getting into there. But I think the big thing for me was like, just don't, don't try to be something that I'm not right. Like just be yourself, meaning like, don't be super formal, like just kind of talk like we are right now, right? Like the guy or the gal on the other end of the interview at one point was a PT coming out of school, just like you were, you know, so they don't expect you to have the answers to every burning question, you know, in the world of PT. But I think just being yourself, because here's the thing, guys, like, People can, people understand when you're faking it or you're going above and be, you know what I mean? Like when someone's just a little bit over the top and like, you'll be able to like trust that you guys will be able to pick that out too. Like a couple of places that I interviewed with, I would ask them questions about company culture or something like that. And the answer they gave me was very broad, vague and kind of watered down and like had good intentions behind it, but you can just tell. Right. Like I, I could pick up on that. And I think it's the same when they're interviewing you. So it's just like Dave said, having that conversation, realizing it, realizing that they probably want you just as much as you want to get a job really bad, you know, because they have expectations that people above them are expecting to meet. And if there's a position that's not filled, they're not meeting those expectations. So like keeping it in that frame of mind, I think takes some of the pressure off of you. And with how smart all you guys are and a lot of people coming out again and are, don't be afraid to tell companies, I need more time to consider. I had a few companies go, we need your answer by like tomorrow or this job goes to somebody else or this is not going to work out or whatever it is. And I would just email the boss back look, I've gone to school for a very long time to do this. I appreciate the company. I, you know, like all this nice verbiage to kind of communicate that I'm still want to be on or to, I still want to be considered for this position. Um, but I need more time to explore other options to figure out what's best for me. And 99% of the time, they're super receptive to that. They're trying to put pressure on you to make you make their decision. Yeah, I was going to say, let's keep it real here. Like if anybody does that to you, they're trying to put the pressure on you. And if anyone's trying to rush you into a decision like that, I would just kind of question whether that's a place that you want to be long-term. That's my two cents on that because it does happen. 
So you guys would highly suggest kind of if you're going to go and communicate with in terms of like energies more so, right? Um, and I that that speaks volumes. I think that makes a lot more sense. It's not some robotic process that you go through where you're just, you know, exchanging words and you can kind of sense if you're wanted, you know, if you're not wanted. Um, but just kind of bouncing off that, were you guys, so during your interviews, were you ever asked anything like, really off the wall or just something like really unexpected during any of your interviews that you can think of i think that i so i was asked oh man i was i did an interview and i and i, and I remember because it was over zoom um without getting into the like the details of who was doing it or whatnot but the company had a list of i i, I guess whatever type of questions they they their higher up chain knew that they needed to ask and it was how pts would deal with weird situations like a patient refusing the treatment that you're trying to give them or a patient doing this in the clinic how do you respond or a coworker does this and you you know you're angry at them how do you handle it um so not that they were super weird questions but I guess I wasn't expecting them because most interviews you kind of go in thinking like this is going to be a nice conversation and I'm going to learn about the company and they're going to learn about me. This particular company had a list of like 15 questions that were all scenario based and you had to answer them all to like kind of like a way that they liked in, in order to continue the process. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I had any of like the weird questions you think about. You know, um, shout out Brett and our little informal interview. He asked me with like no context. He might, Dave, you're gonna have to tell me if he asked you this too. But he's like, all he asked me, right? We're talking about like whatever. And he's like, what makes you wake up to make the donuts in the morning? Like, that's all he said. And I'm like, and I wish you guys knew Brett because it makes so much more sense. But like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Like, I'm pretty sure it's what I said. And essentially, he went into this long thing about, you know people that work at a donut shop are making donuts at three in the morning and what keeps you doing that day after day after day so it was like a spin-off into a what motivates you kind of question so that was i think the weirdest thing that i've heard he did ask me that question in fact and i think it as difficult or as weird as the question came off because of like the way that it was phrased it was probably the reason i love that informal interview so much and and i love that question too because it's not like the traditional question, like I'm David Russo and I graduated with an exercise science degree and I went to be like, you know what I mean? Like you do the whole shtick for everyone that you interview with, but that one forced me to think. Like, given the same answer that I gave you guys at the end of the podcast, I, I love those kind of questions. They're, they're cerebral and they're genuine. They're not planned. They're not rehearsed. It's, it's really who you are that comes down to that. Well, just to kind of change gears here a little bit, guys, um, I'm really excited, and I know other people are a little excited too to hear about this. Let's talk about the future, these projects you guys are gonna be a part of here. Well, I could start off by saying that it was officially announced at UPMC by, by our boss himself, Brett, 
that Ben and I are going to be heading a podcast for UPMC to help with our outreach and our marketing and our influence in the Erie area and beyond. Um, we're not quite sure how it's going to be structured yet. It could be clinician interviews, physician interviews, patient testimonials, and all of the above and many more. But we're happy to bring our talents with that to, to UPMC. Um, and I know Ben was just at an awesome meeting last night with Connie regarding another project that he would love to talk about. Yeah, so Connie um, kind of reeled me back in to one of her things she's got going on, and it's with an organization downtown in downtown Erie, um, where essentially they want to create a hub for adaptive sports. So they have a super cool facility with like two full-size basketball gyms, and their overarching goal is to make it like a funnel where all the different organizations in Erie, like Special Olympics, Voices for Independence, um, there's a few other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. They want it to be like one central station where everyone can kind of come and connect with each other and have the opportunity to play in sports where otherwise they may not have that. So that's super cool. Um, looking forward to that. Connie is a rock star, as you guys know. Um, Personally, too, something else that I've recently been getting into is I wanted to actually open up my own mentorship business kind of on the side for student PTs and eventually new PTs. Because I have this thing where I'm like really obsessed with transitional phases of life. And because I think that's a part of life where you really have to start the momentum off in the right direction and it really helps things out going down the road. So that's just a little passion thing of mine that I'm kind of working on getting started. So it's busy for sure. Ben, I'll pay you to mentor me, dude. I mean, I need as much ortho help. I'm charging as I you can. double, buddy. Charging yeah, you double. Yeah, please. <laughs> ben, that is awesome to hear about your new mentorship uh, project that you're working on. I think you're perfect for the job. And I also think that's a really great passion project. I think especially PT school, we all know how many transitions we go to between transitioning from rotation to rotation, um, school to work. There's a lot of transitional periods and that leads for a lot of questions and a lot of gaps. And I think having someone mentoring you through those times is excellent. And that's really exciting to hear. And as far as the podcast goes, that is just icing on the cake continuing the legacy and just bringing more awareness to physical therapy. I see nothing but good things in your future. That looks, that sounds amazing guys. I'm really excited to listen again in just a different aspect now. Um, and just, we decided to take this podcast in a slightly different direction than you guys did last year. So we kind of want to ask all of our, all of the PTs that we have on for their advice. So what advice would you give your grad school self? I know you've been graduated for a couple months now, but if you could go back and you, you were in our shoes, what's some advice that you could leave us with this evening? I think I have two things that I would kind of tell somebody in my shoes. I think first and foremost, especially early on, don't work so hard. You know, like work hard, but there should be other things in your life that take higher precedent than school. 
you know, like obviously school is there, but don't let it over consume your life. And that might be a little bit cliche and you hear that a lot, but truthfully, I think having the outlets, cause you're a student second, you know, you're you first, right? It's not your entire identity. It's just a big part of it. So I think I would tell myself that early on, that would have helped out. And then just say yes to everything, like any opportunity that's thrown your way, no matter how little time you think you have, just do it because it's going to open up so many doors and it's going to increase your confidence tenfold. Like the fact that you guys are doing this podcast now and you're talking to us and it's pretty cool because you know us a little bit, but next one, when you're talking to just like this clinician and you're going in relatively blind, once you realize you can do that and hold an intelligent conversation that flows well and you can talk PT and you can talk these kind of things. It just opens up your mind to the realities that you're capable of. And you don't get that if you just go through and do the bare minimum, which is study and pass tests and study and pass tests. And you're not going to get the most out of what you're paying for to go to school by doing it that way. So just say yes to every opportunity you can, and it's going to open so many doors for you. And then I think my two things would be to trust myself more and to have more confidence in my knowledge and my skills. Um, and then one that's been super pertinent for me, not only today at work, but at the beginning of my career, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be all for the rest of my careers, do the right thing for your patients, even when it's hard to do that. Whether you got to go out of your way to do more research out of the clinic make the call to their primary care physician when you barely have any time to hop on the phone and wait in between patients, whatever it is, tending to the needs that you think are maybe trivial, but they really want, whatever it is, do the right thing, even when it's hard, because it'll make you a better PT. Um, those are my two bits of advice. All right, guys. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. Uh, we want to thank you both for joining us on our very first podcast episode. We, we really can't think of anyone better to be our first guest. Um, you guys' insight and your experiences were so interesting to hear. Um, and we can't wait to share this podcast market with you guys. It's gonna be so nice to hear your voices again on, on the other end. Um, so to Ben, to David, keep making those biscuits at 3 a.m. and keep inspiring others to join the profession. Um, you guys are both great examples of what a clinician should be, and we can't wait to see the lives that you guys change. So thank you. And just going off of that, I know you guys can't see me, but I was smiling from ear to ear the whole time, just listening to your success between studying for the boards, graduating, passing the boards, interviewing, and now working as clinicians. I know you guys are where you're meant to be and you're working hard and I'm super excited to see you guys continue with your passion projects. And to Liz, hopefully we can have her on in the near future, our previous co-host of Tales from the Plinth. We're wishing her the best too. So thank you for listening, guys. It was great having you and we hope we can continue your legacy. Thanks for joining us today. Please tune in next time for more Tales from the Planet.